And welcome back in another episode of the Stripe Show podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton, and a little bit of a reunion here uh, this week as uh, I welcome back my very first guest back in October 2019 that kicked off the podcast. And uh, he's joining me after a long week of work at Pebble Beach with his man, Patrick Cantlay. Jamie Mulligan. Jamie, I can't thank you enough for coming back and talking shop again. How you doing, bud? Travis, we're well. Thanks for having us. And it's uh, you told me how many shows that you've done before then. Time flies quickly, and it sounds like you got a lot of good stuff going. I like listening to the shows. So, um, yeah, it's nice to be back on. And, uh, yeah, we're coming off a good week at Pebble. Didn't yeah. Get a, didn't get a W, but it was a solid week. It was a solid week. I mean, it seems like every time your guy uh, can't really tease it up, he's either tying a course record or breaking uh, a course record. His his putter went a little bit chilly on him on Saturday, but another good finish. T3, I got to ask you before we get into the meat and potatoes of this, um, how many times have you had a, uh, you know, one of those little things stuck up your nose for uh, COVID here in the last, uh, since we've talked back into 2019? <laughs> oh my goodness. Like, yeah, I mean, when they did it the first time, you're like, this thing is definitely something I don't want to have happen again. And now it doesn't even bother me. Just go ahead and do whatever you want. But when you really think on it, we've done, uh, the PGA Tour has done an amazing job, you know, from Jay on down to everybody. The fact that they've kept all the people, you know, there's 800 or so people in our bubble. And there's been pretty limited cases for the fact that we're traveling around as much as we are. And everybody feels safe. It's actually kind of relieving on Monday morning, you go there at seven o'clock and everybody's kind of waiting in line and then they get tested. And by nine o'clock, we all feel like everybody's healthy and we can go do our gig. And, you know, I'm running back and forth trying to run my country club and doing this. And we're kind of doing a similar thing at our club. So, Mm. um, it's just the nature of what's going on right now. And, uh, like everything else, you got to overcome the weird stuff. So this is weird. Something that we'll probably look back on and go, wow, this was a weird time, but it is what it is. Well, I hope we get to the point where we, you know, we get to look back at it and, you know, things yeah. get back to some normalcy. It was nice to see some, you know, people at waste management, um, mm-hmm. you know, hearing some claps. I can't even imagine the players just how, yeah. just how good that had to feel to hit a shot and somebody clapped and rewarded them to some degree. I can't tell you how many times I've seen a player hit a shot up to a, a blind green and they're like looking around like, hey, is that close or where is that ball? Because they usually have people clapping to tell them, you know, if it's close or not. So, you know, I think you'll get over here to, to Florida, and I know things are a little different here in Florida than they are in California. You're still out there in L.A. with Riviera coming up. But uh, I know there's going to be some people at the Players, which is uh, just three weeks away. And one of the yeah. guys that uh, will be playing in the Players and playing this week at the Genesis Invitational, uh, eighth-ranked player in the world, Patrick Cantlay. You know, of course, you know, Jamie, he won back in uh, – October in 2021, the, uh, the Zozo. And then we get to the calendar year here. He goes 13th at turn of the champion second at the American express and now third at the, uh, AT&T. I mean, this, this guy, he's, he's, he's always been a terrific player, but he really is, um, you know, that world-class player now that is so much fun to watch. He has no weaknesses. You've got to be, you got to be pretty pleased on what you're seeing here at the start of the season for him. Yeah, but before we hit on Patrick, one thing that I was going to tell you is uh, watching pro golf and what we do for a living and like being at a college tournament with really good players. There's nobody out there, you know. Yeah. I mean, there was a time at Augusta this year where Patrick was playing with Dustin and they're in the second to last group on Saturday. And 
I was sitting on the 13th pole with Patrick's girl and his manager, and it was just us. There was nobody to the right or nobody to the left of us. Um, mm. So it's just, it's been, you, you know, in a weird way from a coach's standpoint, because you want to watch just golf, it's been just golf. But I, I'm sure that the energy of the game will come back with the people. Yeah. And we're, all, we're all looking forward to that. And then as far as Patrick goes, we're so proud of him. You know, our big goal forever with him, you know, we're on 21 years together. We got to start him when he was a young wow. kid, you know, seven years old. And so uh, is to make him really complete. As you know, he grew up at Virginia Country Club in our tour player culture and uh, spent a lot of time when he was a young kid with tour players. And he's kind of picked up a lot of their habits. He's a hybrid of almost everybody that we've ever worked with. And some of the people that we haven't, you know, a lot of the gold that we got, we got from Venturi, who got it from Hogan and Nelson and gave it to John Cook. And then we got to do that together with Ken helping us a little bit and then myself with John and then kind of trickled all the way down. So even this weekend, you know, Patrick hit a couple holds on the way in that were these little flighted shots that had like that Hogan Venturi catch on the way through that we'd worked mm. on forever and ever. So and I think what you said, he's really, really complete. That's been our mantra, make him as complete as he can. This stat's been said a lot on podcasts and uh, in magazine articles, but in the last couple of years, he's been in the top 20 in 50 statistical categories, which is what you want. And mm -hmm. you know, I think while I, it gets kind of gets said in our coaching that we're not the technical or not the stats guy, it's contrary to that. We've got a lot of people doing stats and a lot of people uh, doing biomechanics and all the physics stuff for us so we can kind of do the recipe. But when we um, look at the stats every week at the end of the week, he's up near the top in strokes gain. If you pull a stat sheet up from yesterday for anybody that's listening and look at those stats, they're really lovely. He's at the top of the mark and almost everything across the board. So it's fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, he's got, he, I mean, he's got no weaknesses. I'm going to get to his driving here in a minute because I want to ask you about that. But I, I'm curious. When one of your players, like a, a Cantlay or a Luke List, when they, when they're in the hunt late on a Sunday, what, what are you like as a coach? Are, are you nervous? Do you watch? Do you not watch? I mean, how does this how does this go down late on Sunday for coach? You know, uh, if I'm there, I, either way, I'm not nervous. At the end of the day, kidding aside, I'm not getting a shot, and mm -hmm. uh, we've done our work, and I need to watch it as third party and objective as we can. I like locking myself in a room and putting my phone away because every time that they make a putt, everybody, you know, texts you or whatever, which is <laughs> lovely to get the support, but that's not going to change the outcome one way or another. And you've got to watch it like you're a football coach watching a game. And I'm really big, you know, I know you have some instructors that watch your show, but you got to watch golf. You got to watch your guys play. You got to watch other people play. You got to watch the tour. You got to watch even when they're not playing. And so I kind of lock myself in a room and just watch them go and just kind of chill and try to feel what they're feeling and see what they're doing. And every tournament has ebbs and flows. Some tournaments win you. Sometimes you win a tournament. Sometimes, like, for example, Patrick's performance at Pebble, without trying to be biased, he looked like the most solid guy out there the whole week. And, uh, yeah, the greens got slow on Saturday and got fooled a little bit there. But... I kept thinking yesterday that even all the way to the end that he pulls out some magic and birdie 17 and Eagles 18 and we walk away with the trophy. And while that didn't happen, he had a beautiful shot on 17 and he had two absolutely lovely shots on 18 and Boog made that big putt and, you know, down the road we go. And Patrick's not happy, but we'll keep getting better. <laughs> so he's not happy. I mean, like it's, 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 how do, it's win or 
I'm not happy. I mean, obviously he played, you know, brilliant. I love, I love, I love that mentality too, okay. you know? Yeah. I love that mentality. Like, obviously, you know, um, everybody says this, but you're playing for a living, but we're not playing for the money and we're not playing for, you know, he's not really a social media guy. Neither am I. It's not a hoopla yeah. guy. It's more like I want to win a golf tournament. And so, um, you always want to look back and say, Hey, how could that one have been better? You know? And the last yeah. couple of weeks, last couple, last couple outings, he's been really, really close. I guess somebody mm -hmm. on the tour tour called us and said, they're still trying to do stats on this, but he shot 61 on Sunday at uh, Amex, which is one of the lovely rounds that I've watched. And then 62 at Pebble and uh, broke the course record at Amex by two shots on <laughs> Sunday, Sunday. And that has stood for 40 years and then mm -hmm. tied the course record at Pebble. And I don't think anybody on back-to-back -back tournaments and back-to-back -back days uh, has had course records. So he's obviously playing great. And at some time today, he'll take a day off of rest. Um, Luke and I will get back out there and, and, and work at Riv today. But Patrick will take, off to take a day off. And tonight we'll remind Patrick of how well that he's playing just so he knows not that he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, he's he's clearly playing some terrific golf. I mean, I'm looking at the stats here and, you know, at AT&T, he's uh, three and a half positive off the tee, six positive approach. He's just about three positive putting. I mean, just, you know, incredible line across the board here. A lot of green, not a whole lot of red. You know, when you look at uh, this player here at Patrick Cantley, eighth rate player uh, in the world, you know, when I think of Patrick, when I watch him play, I think I I keep my I know there's he's he's terrific across the board, but I just kind of keep going back to his driving. You know the way that he drives the golf ball. I mean he just it just seems like he is always in position, and when he's not, he's really not that far out of position. You know doesn't have that big mess per se. He's you know strikes in off the tee. He's twenty fourth. Um, you know, he's been inside the top ten a number of times since coming out on tour. He's always been really a very nice driver. I mean, a great driver of the golf ball, relatively long, 300 yards off the tee. Um, but accurate as well. Total driving. He's 38. What, what kind of, what, what do you like about the way Patrick drives the ball and maybe some things that you guys perhaps work on or don't work on for this super high level of play off the tee? Yeah. I mean, uh, first of all, and this is for everybody that plays like your driver's the longest club in the bag and it's the biggest, uh, determinator of what your swing's doing. It's going to show you the most. If there's an error in your swing, it's going to get exasperated with your driver. And, uh, if you're swinging really well, it's going to get rewarded with your driver. So I think a lot of that is a reflection of the fact through the bag. He's really, really good with the way that his motion works. He understands his motion. We certainly can talk about that later if you ask some questions about that. But just as far as driving the ball, driving the ball is a means of putting the ball in place so you can hit your second shot, whether your second shot is on a drivable four par or a five par, whatever you're going to do in every hole you're trying to set up. And, you know, we're, we're trying to coach players, not coach people to swing perfectly, which we think is big, coach players so they can play. And from a very young age, in our culture, they learn how to play golf and they learn how to look out a hole and say, here's the flag and here's the win. And this is what the tee shot requires. And they all have three or four pitches. You know, Patrick has a stock tee shot. That's like a one yard draw that comes out of perfect trajectory. He's got like a, a, another cut shot that is almost the same shot. So he can move that driver both ways. 
And then he's got that shot. You saw him hit down the stretch yesterday, which is this under the wind, beautiful little flighter that he can turn both ways as well too. And then he's got a blast, which they all do in these days. And as he's got better in the gym, the blast has become uh, more of a weapon. The one stat that we haven't worried about is uh, driving accuracies because the game isn't played like that anymore. You know, it's better to on a hole with trouble on the right to smash it down on the left-hand side farther and have a shorter club on as long as you can play out of the rough. So we've worked really hard on that. And it was fun yesterday at Pebble, you know, Patrick was asking me when we were at Pebble, he said, how many times have you been up here? And I go, when you figure the state juniors and playing the state AMs <laughs> and everybody that we've coached um, and all the AT&Ts and all the champions tour events and the TaylorMades and, you know, doing clinics up there and the whole nine years, I probably spent more than a year of my life at Pebble Beach. Wow. Wow. And, uh, you know, that includes seeing four opens up there. Uh, excuse me. Yeah. One, two, yeah. Four opens up there. I'm getting older by the, <laughs> by this, by this paragraph or book that I'm saying. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, um, anyways, there's a way that the ball needs to be driven around pebble and to watch him, you know, flight it off the first tee, you know, with a three wood and then all the way going to 18 and hit it right at the tree and turn it over one yard and hit it down there where he can hit it. You know, he had two thirty into the wind. On, wow. uh, on the last hole, so um, it's it's fun to watch him move the ball around there. It makes me smile. See, that's pretty cool. Like you think, you know, for my audience, that he's got three to four shots that he's hitting off the tee. I mean, he's just not stepping up and you know hitting a stock every time. There's there's three or yeah. four that he'll go to. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting if you watch our practice warmups, and I use that word practice slash warmup, and I think that's for your audience as well. Mm-hmm. Your practice shouldn't be different than the warm-up that you use to get ready to go play. And that warm-up should be a variation of your warm-down, too. For example, a couple of weeks ago when he had the chance to win Amex, we just went into what our normal warm-up, warm-down would be, meaning we had some putts, we had some chips, and we did this stuff that we would do to hit some shots in order to get ready to play. So it's always the same. Mm. So what do I see on the driving range too minutes is somebody's working on, you know, putting their right elbow in their back pocket on the downswing and, then yeah. they get on the golf course and they can't do that as opposed to, you know, remember you're warming up and you're warming down and you got to play golf shots. So we're always doing that. And uh, for him, he was what we call a high school hooker, meaning he would draw the ball when he was in high school to get a little bit of your yardage because he was a small kid. Mm-hmm. His best swing was probably when he was 14 years old. And we're actually working back towards that because once he strengthened this grip and tried to hit a bum draw, you know, that that helped him through the time when he wasn't as big and strong. Now we've been to make his swing more conventional, more orthodox. And in our warmups, um, if we hit 50 balls, we hit 42 or 43 cuts. And then he's a, he's a natural drawer and he draws it with the last shot with every club before he switches. So interesting, interesting to watch that left, right, yeah. left, right, left, right, left, right, then a draw. What's he doing with his feet, Jamie? Like, so when he, when he sets up he, in every shot, driver, putter, like here, here's his feet. I mean, he's, he, he's got this, you know, almost yeah. like bubbling going on with his feet. It's very noticeable um, yeah. with, his, with his putter. So what's going on there? We're just giving Nick Faldo and Jim Nance and Dan Hicks and all the people something to talk about because <laughs> they got to fill some time when they're on the air. <laughs> oh. Yeah. yeah. But, but, and they will talk about it too. Oh, yeah. But yeah. And anyways, when back to the bomb drawing thing, you know, we he got him play with a really quiet little bar, low, lower body when he was in high school and he hit an inside out draw without a lot of movement, you know, and 
we've tried to activate his body so he can feel what goes on. And I don't like motions that don't move, you know, either go to any of their other sport, they're dribbling or they're making a movement, you know, and um, it's interesting. He was, when he first started to activate that, he was doing it, you know, 30, 40, 50 times. Now he's in the position where he's only doing it, you know, six or seven, eight times and only takes a second or two to do, but it's certainly very noticeable. So I like that just as, it's a waggle per se, only doing it with his lower body. And I love the idea that your lower body is a big dictator in what you do with your swing. The great swings that we've seen through history, whether it was Sneed or Gene Littler or George Knudsen, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I tell my students all the time, like, you got to learn. It's a good thing to learn how to draw the ball through your development, right? So at some point, you know, a slicer. Let's turn them into someone who can draw it and and even maybe yeah. even hook it and and struggle with yeah. that a little bit because through that yeah. learning curve, I tell them like, look, you'll come back to me, and you'd be like, man, I'm hitting the ball so much better, I'm hitting so many more good shots, I'm I'm hitting it longer, but my miss, I, I tend to maybe block it or overhook it, and I said, if you come back and tell me that, I'm gonna be really really happy based upon where you were because then we can bring that back, yeah. Yeah. So Cantley is the same way, right? He, he probably struggled with the hook and then you brought him back to neutral a bit. hundred percent. And knowing where we're going, I think a big thing of, you know, what we're doing is you also got to know where you're taking your player. So you want to take your player and you also want to have the carrot out in front of him and kind of lead him there. And now he's in that spot where we're doing it together to be the best player in the world or the best player that he can be. And uh, if you're, if you're going to be a good golf coach, you better know how to teach Mrs. Havocamp not to hit a slice. And you better know how to get everybody, you better get young kids to hit bomb draws from the time they're a young kid. And if you're going to coach on tour, you better be able to straighten that ball flight out and get rid of the left on that in the opportune time. And then you better be able to see where the ball goes with having to run back and look at track manner foresight to see what the numbers are. That's kind of that's important to what we do. I always tell people, I say, how do you, they say, how do you coach golf on tour where you got to be able to see where the club's doing and what you're trying to do. And mm-hmm. a lot of that evolution was just explained in what we just said. Mm-hmm. Tell me about a short game. Um, you know, his, his short game, when you look at it, strokes getting around the green, he's six right now. I mean, this is, you know, obviously a world-class mm-hmm. short game as well. You said three to four different shots off the tee. How many shots does Cantlay hit, would you say, around the greens? Is it infinite or is there like a stock and then he kind of goes to two or three for the most part? How do you how do you look at that in the way that his short game structured? He organically built his short game. We got some advice and we got some help from a bunch of people. Um, you know, he's played a bunch of our practice rounds with JT and Jordan. We play with Xander a lot as well, too. And they all kind of share ideas around the greens, you know, and they all do it in a different way. But if you watch some of the good short game, it's, they all have their unique thing. Everybody else says, well, I want to pitch the ball like Seve. Well, nobody pitches the ball like Seve. I can watch <laughs> Seve, Seve a lot. So the idea, we like this word energy, and energy is if you have your ball and you're, you know, 30 feet from the fringe and 16 feet from the hole and it's dirty Bermuda that the ball is laying in and you got to hit a shot that gets on the green and kind of spills to the hole a little bit. You got to be able to use whatever club you're going to pull out to get the right energy to have the ball go up. And there's an energy with tour players pitching that you don't see any place else where the ball just kind of spills. And then when it gets to the hole, it kind of either checks or it slows down and it's right there as opposed to when you're watching at a different level of golf, how the ball's always either never on the green or it's flying past the hole. Um, and they're not able to control energy. 
So he's probably got three different versions of controlling energy with all his clubs. He's got a bump that he plays, and you're playing a lot of bumps out there because if you short side yourself or you can't get it out of the lie the right way, and then he's got just a stock little pitch shot, which we call vanilla, and then he's got a flop, which is, you know, a little bit wider stance, a little bit more knee bend, the shaft angle down a little bit, and he can hit it out of different windows. Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting-edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter-weighted designs, use of high-density particles, and even a nano-transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is the highest performance ball to date with their full suit of golf balls. They are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com slash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast. So let me ask you this, Jamie. I hear um, these terms that you use. One of them is is flow. Um, I hear you know system and winning. You know it's a very holistic approach with what you do with these players. I think you said this this tour player culture, right? They get into it, and mm-hmm. you guys are not just working on technique. There's there's a lot of stuff going on here. But tell tell the audience about you know flow system and winning and, and, and what that's all about and how it applies to your players. Uh, funny this morning when I was getting tested before we go into the event, you know, somebody had a flat bill cap on and somebody said, Hey, you're copying George Genkis. And I was like, I was wearing a flat bill cap before George was born, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so like these words that, you know, we've been using for a long, long time, they're out there and you're hearing them a lot, which is kind of cool, I guess. Maybe we're not mm-hmm. saying we're the ones that originated, but we've been doing this a long time. You know, I I had a very athletic father that played some semi-pro football and he taught me, you know, a bunch of sports. And, you know, when I grew up, I was going to try playing the NFL and never got big enough and started breaking par before, you know, I even liked golf. And my dad was like, you're not going to play football, you know, you're five foot ten. So, um, you know, let's get into golf. But he took me to so many sporting events and. I used to love going to the warmups of all the games, go to basketball game, you watch them, you know, come out, layups, you know, shoot free throws, shoot around a little bit. Like there's a flow, like they look just like fish swimming out there, like they could do it any place, you know. You go to a baseball game. I remember, you know, when Jeter first played for the Yankees, going and watching him and watching him do infield outfield and, you know, get ready to play and stuff. There's like a flow and then it doesn't change in the game. And Flow for me is a combination of rhythm, it's a combination of mechanics, it's a combination of headset, and it's a combination of understanding that you're playing a game, and then you get out of your way and you let yourself do it, hence back to the fish swimming. You know, as you know, I'm a surfer and there's a lot of little kids that you're, you know, watching surfing and little kids surfing are my favorite surfers to watch because they're Mm. fearless, they grab the board, they paddle and away that they go and the board rides the wave and they do their stuff and when your player's playing really well, that's what it looks like. Getting to watch Patrick, you know, for 61 and 62, um, he definitely had complete flow with what was going on in both of those rounds where it looks like he didn't question it. And it would be too attorney-client to tell you exactly what he's thinking in that situation. 
but he's sinking less than any other day when it's going really well. And mm-hmm. whether it's been, you know, uh, a lady that's winning on the LPGA tour, a man on the PGA tour, a kid winning a junior tournament. When you're talking about wins, normally a pro can't tell you about a win, but they can explain the flow that they were actually in. And it's normally that it's rhythm, it's technique, it's staying out of their head, it's playing the game and letting things come to them. So flow is the ability to allow things to come to you and to naturally do what you're supposed to. Yeah, that's uh, I, that would be a word that I would probably describe when you when you watch Cantlay just unconscious play. I mean, just like I don't say unconscious, but like he when he shot sixty two at Pebble on Thursday, and he walked over to his caddy. It, it was almost like he was ready to go to the next hole. You know, yeah, like in yeah. some ways, like yeah. he like his yeah. caddy was looking at him like, dude, you just shot sixty two. I mean, like you know, like that's great. You just broke the course record or tied the course record, and yeah. it almost looked like yeah. he was like, don't we have another hole to play? You know, I mean, yeah. like he was yeah. so in the moment and L- locked, locked in, locked yeah. in, right? Yeah, locked in. There's something to that too, and I mean, you see it in everything. You know, go to a concert and watch some. You know, we get to go to concerts again, but watch somebody play the guitar that really knows what they're doing, or you know, at the top of the level and what you're doing, there's an ability to allow things to naturally come out of you. People think it's metaphysical or mystical or whatever it is, but it isn't. It's it's the ability to use your body the best way. You know, we're in a holistic society now that's trying to work on relaxing all the time. There's nothing better than in the game that we get to play relaxing and playing and doing that. You know, when he shot 61, that we keep referencing back in the desert that day. I just have my old school iPod and, and my headphones on. I walked around listening to music and it was literally like watching, you know, he, he, it was like watching a play that we had designed every single thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And seriously, when he walked off, the other than saying, I, I played as good as I could play, we knew that we were going to probably get in a playoff. We didn't know who was going to, birdie the last two holes which can go or two of the last three holes which good for Siwoo the win was going right. hard and we didn't know that was going to happen we thought at worst we were going to be in a playoff mm-hmm. so we wanted to keep him in that state you know and that state is just the ability of probably your heart ticking the same way and your mind not thinking about it too many things and knowing you're just going to do your deal and you know we had a pretty good game plan for we went back out in the playoff what he was going to do so that's that's really fun that's when you're getting yes. to do it at the highest highest level yeah and, and the wins are going to continue to come, you know, for him. I think, what's he got, four wins now on, on the PG? I mean, they're just going to he's continue got, to. He's got he's got three wins. Thanks, he's got thanks three wins, saying. yeah. yeah. Thanks for, thanks for saying that. Well, he should have had a four. He should have had his fourth here in the la- one of the last two weeks. Yeah. But, I mean, he's going to have four, and he's going to have five. And with, with his game, the chips are going to fall your way. And that's just what happens, right, on tour. Like, you play well enough to win. For crying out loud, he shot 61 on the final day, and the wind's blowing, and see Woo Birdie's two of the last three. I mean, that's. Sometimes you just got to tip your cap. You got beat. Berger Eagles, the last hole, you know, like you just got beat. But when you, you know, when you have the skill set that Cantlay has, I mean, it's just, and the demeanor, like he's, I just think Cantlay's going to start putting more and more of these away. If, if something like a birdie, the two of the last three doesn't happen, like the chips are going to fall his way and it's going to be four and it's going to be five. It's going to be six and it's going to build. Tell us, tell us something Jamie, quickly about what, but what we don't know about Patrick Cantley. What, what, what's something interesting we don't know about him? Um, he's uh, got an unbelievable sense of humor. He is uh, very worldly and very knowledgeable. He's uh, super well-read. Mm. Um, he is uh, 
quick. He's normally the quickest guy in the room. We always kid that he's 80 years old because a good portion of his friends are 60, 70, 80, 90 years, <laughs> 90 years old. You know, I, I'll, I always kid him when we get to a club and we're walking in the first time. And, you know, I said, I'll meet you in the range after you get out of the gin room. And we always laugh about that. You know? and, and, and he's, he did, He's definitely an old soul. And on TV, he comes across as a loose, a looper. You know, I think the most mm -hmm. popular you could say he looks like an assassin out there. He looks so, you know, locked in like he's doing. But if you watch him and his caddy, they're giggling and they're laughing and they're having a good time. He's got a really, really good sense of humor. And he's a low-key guy and he knows who he is and he knows what he's doing. And um, he's not quite, he's a different millennial, you know. He's not mm -hmm. worried about uh instagram or you know any social media or anything that a lot of kids are and that doesn't make it right or wrong but it's just not his deal and he's not worried about the hoopla of everything he's more into doing you know what you talked about earlier our job is to coach process you know and process dictates the bottom line and so we just keep trying to make the process better and he's living the process the right way and and uh, the 20 weeks of the year that he's competing, uh, he's working, you know, really, really hard to come up with the best result he has. And the other, you know, 30 weeks that he has, he's resting and relaxing and, and continue to do his training so he can go out there and put on a good show when he does. Well, you got the Genesis this week. He was fourth back in 2018, looks like. He was 15th in 2019 and then 17th. Um, last year so i'm sure we'll uh we'll see his name again right there first page of the leaderboard um come the weekend and then from genesis yeah we love the venue we love the venue the, yeah the, the Riviera. yeah yeah if you ask anybody luke list included you know my other player like mm -hmm. if you ask any of them uh, any tour player almost and you say if you had to play a golf course every single day to dictate the winner Riviera almost you know checks all the boxes and I'm a Cali guy, obviously, so this is a home game for us. And yep. uh, we've, we haven't been there for a year of our life like Pebble Beach. We might have been here there for two years of our life. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you yeah. what, best of luck there. And then you guys uh, do WGC, and then I'll see you here, Ponte Vedra, in three weeks um, yeah. for the Players' yeah. Championship. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to – I know you guys are going to do a little something special here. There's a there's a cool place here um, in Ponte Vedra. It's actually inside the gates at TPC Sawgrass. It's called the yeah. Yards. Yeah. Uh, tell us about it and what you're going to, what you guys may be doing there, Players Week. Oh, I'm so excited for those guys. First of all, the guy that owns the Yards, he's Dave Miller. He's a longtime, really good buddy of ours. He's the guy that we stayed with for in Ponte Vedra. He's a, he's a great guy. He's a gregarious guy that's done mm -hmm. really well in business. He's got a lovely family and uh, he's taken us in like he were we were his kids. He's kind of feels like one of my brothers. And then his uh, director of golf uh, is a young man named Zach Final that used to work for us at Virginia, and he's a mm. great kid as well too. And then the guy that's running the show over there, Mike Miles, he's a he's a great player. You know, he was a mm -hmm. tour player. Mike and I have been playing golf together since we were 13, 14 years old. He's one of my better buddies as well too. So I'm super excited about their concept. When you think about golf, it takes a long time. You know, it takes a long time to get good at it. And you got to expose a lot of people to it. And they have a 12-hole concept there that we think is great. It's a lot of fun. Mike designed the golf course and, you know, they bought that piece of property and then have kind of uh, re revived it. I think Jackson Bowl is a thriving metropolis and you got this kind of beachy little crowd there. 
it's right next to TPC. So it's the perfect place if you're going to go over to TPC and play that phenomenal golf course. And then you want to have a place to go play an emergency nine. They've got like a little, you know, three, four hole, three, four loop. And it's kind of music and hot dogs yep. and, and beers and, you know, white, I guess nobody drinks beer anymore. They drink white claws, but walk around there and play golf and have a good time and enjoy yourself. And I think they have an amazing concept and much like top golf, I think you're going to see more of these. I think you're going to see more of the two, three hour fun day, as opposed to the golf game that you know, you and I know Travis, which is practice, go to the course, you know, you're there for eight hours. It takes yeah. the whole day, whole day and only a certain amount of people are playing. This is super inclusionary and really on the point as far as what's going on in society and the world. I'm really proud of those guys. And uh, we're going to do a little clinic, a little exhibition for them, I believe, on Tuesday night. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's always fun to get Patrick and Luke together or any of the guys in our stable. You know, we have four young kids that are in our stable now that are all playing golf at Long Beach State. And they're learning from, you know, Luke and Patrick and John Cook and Paul Coitos and Momart and Veronica and all the people that we work with. And it's fun to watch those guys perform in front of people and realize that, you know, we're all about golf. We're living golf and we want to share it. So mm. uh, excited about the yards, excited about our players and excited about our next generation of players. And we appreciate uh, giving you giving us the opportunity to come on and talk to you. I, I think the world of you and you're very good at what you do. And I, and I like being on your show. Well, thanks. I appreciate that, Jamie. And it's, uh, I appreciate coming back. I appreciate being the first guest when we kick this thing off and, it's grown from there and having you back. I know the audience um, loves listening to you and uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to come check that out on a Tuesday um, when you're there players week. I, I live probably six miles from the yards and I've been there many times. It's a cool place. The, the nine yeah. holes, it's fun, but that, that par three course, there's, there's six little holes. It's a ton of fun. It really is. I, I've done it. Yeah. I've done the loop probably six or seven times now. In fact, we I'll finish with this. We, we did a, a uh, a neat little content piece for sports pub media i do a, a gambling show for them and we had four people out there and we did a two a two on two against oh, cool. each each other on the par three course and it was an incredible match for six holes in fact we had to keep going into the dark for um um you know for the playoff and someone finally won and uh, it was fun. No, the four people live here. They'd never been there before, and they just had a hoot. They've been going back since. So, yeah, the yard is a really cool place. And I agree. I think it's a concept, these par three short nines, um, the way of the future, because it doesn't take a lot of time to play. I mean, it's, um, it, it's yeah, good they, fun. These guys are uh, innovative as far as that mm -hmm. goes, and they're just an amazing concept. And, you know, I'm, I'm so excited and so happy for them. And, you know, Mike and I, we kind of grew up like watching people play golf and then, you know, running clubs and doing exhibitions with all our players and, and uh, then, you know, taking a really good look at why golf needed to be fun and also on a competitive level, you know, like I said, Mike's an amazing player and he's a really, really good businessman. So mm -hmm. I think they got a winner there. I think that people they're are going to be enough. calling, calling to, to that and they're low key in the way that they're going about it. But at the end of the day, if you put your kids in the car, it's probably easier to, you know, put your board shorts and your t-shirt on and go over there and play and kind of enjoy and have fun with that as opposed to, as structured as what we get with the game. And trust me, I love the structured game, but there's certain times and places for all that you're trying to do. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Well, I look forward to seeing you there. Good luck at, uh, at the Riviera there with uh, the Genesis Invitational and uh, we'll see you in the Florida swing here in a couple of weeks.